in 2003, now I know that sounds like a long time ago, and it was, um, and even looking back at some photos, it was definitely a long time ago because I had a lot more hair then than I do now. But in 2003, Nicole and I said yes to Jesus, to following him in a new area for our life. And that particular area of our life was our vocational life, where Jesus asked us to become the pastors of this church here at the Vineyard at Pine Rivers. And so Nicole and I, we spent some time praying spent some time talking with Jesus and asking him to confirm that invitation from him to follow him into that new space. Well, in 2003, Jesus um, met with me in particular in a very, um, the, the, the best way I can describe it is a compelling way. Have you, have you ever met someone whose presence, you just walked away from that realising gosh, that, that person has had an influence on me, or that is a very compelling person. I want to know them more, or I'd like to hear some more of their story, or I'd like to find out more about how they do what they do. There's a compelling reality to them. Well, Jesus met with me in a compelling way, so much so that that, that moment, that one moment then, continues to fuel my life now. Now that was some 15 years ago, but it it only takes me a, a moment or two to just stop and begin to rethink through what happened in that moment in 2003. And before you know it, my my mind begins to get filled with the memory of that moment. My emotions begin to get stirred with the intensity of that moment and my eyes begin, my whole body actually starts to get a bit overwhelmed because it was such a compelling encounter with Jesus. And in that compelling encounter, Jesus met with Nicole and I, but particularly with me, and there was two things that happened in that encounter. The first was he spoke to me and um, he said these things. He came and stood in front of me. He looked over his shoulder, looked me in the eyes, and he said two things, Kirk. Stay close and keep up. At which point he turned his face from me and started to move off into the future. At which point I was literally almost lurched out of my chair to want to as it were, keep up with him and stay close to him. Now, that, that, that little few words has filled my life for the last 15 years with daily authority, power and vision. That, that's my, I'm not here to build a big church. I'm not here to, you know, do all this stuff. My assignment, <laughs> my assignment in this life is twofold. Stay close to Jesus. Be in proximity to Jesus and to keep up with Jesus, with what he's doing. In other words, be current with Jesus. What is he saying to me today? Where is he walking me today? Who is he inviting me to engage with today? Stay close and keep up. 
was the encounter. Now, there was a second part to this, and the second part to the encounter was, in fact, a vision. Some of you have heard this before, some of you haven't, but it's really important that you understand what's going on here at Pine River's Vineyard so that the servant life that we're celebrating and giving thanks to God for today among us has got some context. Because it's one thing to say, oh yeah, you should all be a servant. But the next question is, well why? What's going on? Why should I serve? Where should I serve? What does that mean? Well, I just want to put some context to this and then I also want to bring in Paul's um, uh, scriptures here where he writes this amazing song or hymn or poem to God about the nature of God in Christ. But in the vision, um, so after Jesus had spoken with me and began to walk off, in, I then experienced what I would call an like an open vision, like a, it was kind of like I was, I was still awake, I was still, you know, present, I was aware of my surroundings, but it was as if, it was as if the field of vision in front of me all of a sudden was transformed. It was, it, it, it opened up to me where that, you know, the scriptures talk about how it's only a very thin veil. It's a very thin veil between the kingdom now and the kingdom not yet. There's this it's almost like a translucent veil. And every now and then when the kingdom breaks through, it's like the veil opens up and we see clearly. We see clearly. Well, this was one of those moments where that thin veil just opened wide and I was able to see clearly into the heart of the Father. And in this vision, Jesus began to climb a mountain. And this mountain was... Without a doubt, I understood it completely to be the mountain of God. It was like his kingdom. It's, it was, I, just, I just knew that's God's kingdom. That's his, that's his rule and his reign. And so Jesus climbs one side of the mountain, and I'm like, oh, I've got to remember my instructions. <laughs> my instructions were, don't get enamored with the size of the mountain. My instructions were, stay close and keep up. So my first thing was to rush to want to be as close to Jesus as I could be in the journey up the mountain. And, um, and as we got to the top of the mountain, there was this, just this expansive space on top of the mountain with all these different people groups and different cultures and, and, and di- different nationalities and all these different groups. And then I could see kind of down over in one section this, this uh, it was a vineyard, literal vineyard, you know, vines, grapes, all of that sort of stuff. It was a vineyard and I knew, I just knew that as I kind of looked towards this vineyard, I went, hey, that's us. I knew that was us. There was this sense of this is our part. This is where we belong in the plans and the mountain of God and the kingdom of God. That's us. And as, as I allowed my heart and my eyes to begin to really zero in on what was taking place among us on the mountain of God, there was a, there was a couple of noticeable things. The first was this. There was every generation present. There was multi-generations present. There was children, very young, and there was the senior most among us. 
and we were all there, and none were sitting. None were sitting by, none were, none were just um, feet up. It was everyone was participating in what was happening in this vineyard. Everything from tilling the ground to planting to trimming to harvesting to taking um, some of the, the, the fruit of the vine and putting it into one of those massive big old wooden vats. It was an old school kind of vat where, you know, it was the grapes weren't crushed with a machine. They were like people were in there stomping on those grapes and there was juice like splashing everywhere. And the overwhelming sense of everything that was taking place on that mountain and and among us, as I looked on that mountain, was this overwhelming sense of participation and joy that we had been invited to join in with what God was doing through us. And so as we were up there, the, the vat was just amazing. It was this big wooden old vat. People were stomping in it and, and jumping up and down, and they were just laughing, having an, just an amazing great time in the middle of it all. And I noticed that out of the bottom of the vat, there was a small crack on one side. And out of the side of the vat flowed this little trickle of juice, flowed this little trickle of, 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 of the juice of the grapes. And then I noticed where it was started to lead. And I kind of followed, my attention was following this little trickle. And as it followed it, it began to go to the other side of the mountain. And as it got to the other side of the mountain, it started to flow down the other side of the mountain. And as I looked down the side of the mountain, the flow became wider and wider and deeper and more. And it became, by the time it got to the bottom of the mountain, it, st- it was like this flowing torrent of the fruit of what was being stomped on up in the, in the vat that was taking place among us. And it was our life together. It was our life together that was producing this sense of great joy among us because we were with God, God was with us, and then there was this ongoing you know, fruit that was taking place as a result of that. It was reaching beyond us. It was reaching way beyond us. And it reached down the side of this mountain and into this, um, this, it became this great big torrent of, or river was the best way I could describe it. And then I, I noticed this as this juicy kind of deep red river was flowing along, I noticed that all of a sudden um, from everywhere, all of these people just started coming to this river and started drinking from it. And they weren't like lined up and with a cup. Can you, you know, serve me a bit of what's going on in there? No, there were people, they were just jumping in it. There were people lying down, like just lapping it. There were people who were just like, just grabbing loads of it and splashing it on others. It was like there was a deep, deep thirst that was being like satisfied. It was like, and this, this group of people that were coming to drink from this river was, it was just a massive group of people. I could scale it to about a number of 10,000 people. And as they were drinking this, I was said, Jesus, what is that? And Jesus said, Kirk, that's my mercy. That's my mercy. And they were drinking this mercy of God. People that weren't 
on the mountain of God, people who weren't in the kingdom of God, but it was the people who were being drawn to the kingdom of God through the mercy of God, through our life together in God and the joy that we have together in doing what he's invited us to partner with him in. And that the flow of that was that people would be drawn to drink of the mercy of God. And as they were drinking of the mercy of God, I noticed this cloud came off the top of the mountain. And as the cloud came off the top of the mountain and across the, the, the people who were drinking and enjoying what was of this mercy of God, this river of God, this, rain, this cloud came over them and it started raining and raining and raining. And, and as, as the rain came down, it was like all of those people were like sunflowers in a field. Have you ever seen fu- sunflowers? They follow the sun. They, you know, they, it's like they literally, from morning till night, they just follow the sun with their head. Well, as this cloud came over them and started to rain on them, everyone just lifted up their heads. And it was like the rain was washing their face, washing their face, washing their lives. And then I said, Lord, what's that? He said, Kirk, that's even more of my mercy. Just when you think people have had enough mercy. No, God says more, more mercy. There is always more mercy. And the, and the people lifted their heads and followed this cloud because the cloud went back over the mountain of God. And as the people followed the cloud, they then followed the river of mercy and they made their way up into the mountain, the kingdom of God. And there was great joy and delight that everyone had received mercy from God and they'd found their life in God through what we were doing in our life in Jesus. That happened, that encounter, that vision, that moment for Nicole and I happened in 2003 and it's as fresh today as it was then. And it continues to fuel us and fill us today, even as it does then. Today here at Pine Rivers Vineyard, to participate and belong to the life of God is to, is to participate and belong to a long story of the faithfulness of following Jesus closely. There, there has been many, many people who have hungered for Jesus and continue to hunger for Jesus. And we love Jesus' presence. We always stop to take time to engage with his divine presence among us. We are a people here at Pine Rivers Vineyard with a divine purpose and a divine mission. You're not here by happenstance. And let me tell you, we weren't so caught up in building something We were caught up in the joy of being with God that influenced all these other people. See, we're here to see a city come to God. We're here to partner with the expanding edge of where God's love and people's lives are intersecting. We're here to be the people of Jesus. We are people who participate and partner in the life of God. We are servants. We share our stuff, we share our hearts, we hang in there with each other through the difficult stuff and we walk this life together. 
as the people of God. If you've got your Bible, um, Philippians chapter 2, if you haven't, I'm going to try and, I'll better turn this on, that might help. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. So this is Paul, and he's writing from prison. So he's not writing from, you know, (laughs) the sands of the beach in this great, wonderful moment of soul care. No, no, he's in prison. And he's he's, he's in prison, and he's writing to the church in Philippi. And he's reminding the church uh, back in Philippi that, hey, remember when I came to you guys, and there was only a few of you there, and... Um, remember how God met with us, and um, I'm, I'm just writing back to remind you of a few things. And one of the things um, he talks about is encouraging them to be more like Jesus. In, in Philippians chapter 2, he writes, If you've got any encouragement from being united with Jesus Christ, if any comfort from his love, If any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded and having the same love and being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Hmm. Um, I just had a sidetrack of thoughts and sermons just open up to me right then. But he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Right smack in the middle of his beautiful poem, Death on a Cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, and that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I just want to take a, just a few note little note a few little things. The servant life, Jesus, to take on the servant life, Jesus had to empty himself. Jesus had to empty himself. In other words, he put his divinity mysteriously on hold to take on human human nature. He said, Father, I'll go. He emptied himself of his great high place as the maker and the word of God through whom all things were made and spoken into life. And he empties himself of that place, of that posture, of that position. He empties himself and he takes on the nature of a servant. Now that word servant in the in the Greek is a um, well it, it basically means slave. 
It basically means slave. I, I, I will do whatever it takes that needs to be done so that things can be transformed. I'll, I'll go. I'll do it. I'll put everything of who I am, take on a new posture, empty myself of that, take on this posture, and I'll do whatever it takes to bring about the new purposes of God in the earth. Jesus empties himself. Um, now, I just, I just want to talk about this for a moment for you and for I. Because in, in our life together, because Paul talks about here in Philippians chapter 2, is that um, we get to partner with God. Paul's saying if, if you've got any, any connection, any tenderness, any sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, any sense of awareness of each other, then you're going to want to be like Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Well, he empties himself. He takes the posture of emptying himself. Well, ultimately, you and I, we start that journey of emptying ourselves when we say, actually, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want to be born again and enter the kingdom of God, like John chapter 3 talks about. I want your life in exchange for my life. And then what we do, as we enter into the reality of that relationship, we have emptied our self, our spirit, of our broken sinful nature and we have welcomed the lordship of Christ into our spirit. He lives within us. He rules and reigns both in us and on us in the power of his spirit. And then we have the big journey that we've talked about in recent weeks whoops, of, of that where we begin to learn to bring our will, our soul, our mind and our physical extremities into agreement with what God has done in the very core of who we are when we've been born again. So we take on the nature of a servant. God is constantly inviting us to empty ourselves to the purposes of God. It's not empty yourself into nothingness. It's not empty yourself into any lostness. It's actually you so highly esteeming your brokenness that you actually entrust it into the care of a saviour who will carry that for you through the cross, through the grave and into eternity. It's where you trust him with that and you say, in exchange, in your mercy, I will now live from who you are alive in me. Get that? It's real important. It's not throwing your life away. God's not asking you to throw your life away. He's asking us to entrust it to him, to him. And he's demonstrated through his great love in Jesus Christ, he is above all else trustworthy and faithful and true. Emptying, he emptied himself, taking on the nature of a servant and then... Therefore, God exalted him. The servant life is a high calling. It's a high calling in Jesus. Because every time Jesus says to you and to me as individuals and to us as a people, and he says, follow me, we find ourselves going through this again and again and again. Emptying myself, taking on the will and plans and purposes and power of God, being filled with the Spirit, that I too might be part of the exaltation of Jesus in the earth 
that all people would know God is good and that his kingdom is at hand. Time and time again, this is the pathway of discipleship. Empty, fill, exaltation of Jesus. Empty, fill, exaltation. Every time Jesus asks us, will you do this for me? Not my will, but yours be done. Empty, fill me with your spirit, God. I know you're there. Fill me again. Empower me to partner with the exaltation of your kingdom in the earth. Empty, fill, exaltation. What is it? What's the conversation that you're having right now in your life where God is saying, follow me? Where Jesus is saying, come this way with me. What, what is it that you're going to have to empty so that in exchange you would receive life, kingdom life, real life? Not the, not, you know, not the fluff and bubble and material rubbish that you know, the world is pursuing. I mean life. I mean life, real life, eternal life. Powerful life, love. What's the conversation that you're in right now with Jesus? Is it, is it a relational one? Is it one in, in, perhaps in a marriage? Is it one with, a child, with your children? Is it, is it one in your workplace? Is it, is it an ethical use of your resources? I mean, what's the conversation that Jesus is saying, hey, knock, 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 you've asked me to be Lord, here I am. Here's what I'd like you to follow me into. You've all got one going on. And if you haven't got one going on, you're working real hard. You're working really hard to ignore it. Just like me when I'm watching the football and Nicole's asking me a question from the kitchen. I pretend like I don't hear. You know, that posture. That same posture. Empty filled exaltation a couple of years ago Nicole and I we thought we had a sense of plan and direction for our life that we were tracking with Jesus on and then Jesus came to us and said that's great but now I'd like you to do this and so now we find ourselves you know serving at Vineyard Australia and we find ourselves leading this just life that we were like we couldn't plan this we, we couldn't organise this if we tried. We can't orchestrate this, but we find ourselves being caught up in it. And the reason why is because we said, okay, Lord, we are yours. And mercifully and graciously, he fills us again and again. And along the way, we continue to see Jesus exalted. Where are you being invited into the high calling of emptying, filling and exaltation of Jesus. In that vision that I had, and, and it's also a part of Paul here, he says in, first, in uh, Philippians 2, 2, he says, then make my joy complete. So Paul's actually experiencing joy in seeing the life of God among the Philippians. But he says, he's basically saying, hey guys, there's more. There's so much more than you already know. Make my joy, make the gladness of my heart bigger. And the way to do that is to journey through the emptying, allow God to fill and bring great exaltation. 
Perhaps one of the greatest fruits of being a servant of Jesus is to see how we are, through our choosing to partner with the Father, that our hearts are filled with joy every time an individual, every time a family, or even the poor and the, and the destitute are touched with the love of God through our availability and participation. Servant living is not some sort of external mode of, oh, it's a, a virtue, it's this external virtue. The, servant living is not this kind of, oh, that would be the right thing to do. If, if you're operating from there, then you're, op, you're, trying, to, you're trying to operate from, um, I can't even get my little red marker here thing, um, then you're trying to operate from your, your, your soul instead of living from your spirit alive in Christ. As soon as it becomes, you know, external behaviour management, we're, we're living from the wrong space. We're not living from Jesus as Lord. We're living from my ability to be self-righteous. And I'll make this happen. God, God set you free from that. You don't have to live under the weight of that. Praise God for that. We get to live in the flow of the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and the Lordship of Christ within. This is one of the greatest joys that we get to live in. Now, I've, I, oh yeah, there we go. I've got this working again. Henry Nguyen in his book, Compassion, he writes this. He says, Compassion is no longer a virtue that we must exercise in special circumstances. Like, oh, you know, you're deserving. <laughs> in special circumstances or an attitude that we must call upon when others, the other ways of responding have been exhausted. But it is in fact actually compassion is the natural way of being in this world. This new nature, he's talking about this Jesus new creation, born again nature of God in us, allows us to see compassion not in moralistic terms, that is in terms of how we have to behave as good Christians, but as a new way of being in the world. As Christians, we're called ambassadors of Christ in whom the reality of God's infinite compassion becomes concrete and tangible. To become humble servants with Christ in discipleship is to become witnesses of the living God. The Christian life is a life of witnessing through servanthood to the compassionate God, not a life in which we seek suffering and pain. But as we look for the face of God, we will always find he wants to go where there is suffering and pain to bring the kingdom. Our actions do speak, and they speak often louder than our very words. For our actions flow from our hearts and our lives, having been touched by the love and compassion of the Father. When Jesus landed in Mark six thirty four, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. The initiation of compassion is that the Father has called us to himself. We've seen that in Jesus. We've welcomed that lordship of his life and no longer ours. And that through the heart of the Father, we now get to feel what the Father feels about the world in which we live. And it compels us 
to reach. It compels us to use our time. It compels us to use our energy. It compels us to use our resources that people might know the compassion of God. We're servants. There is no higher calling than to be a servant. Now, I don't know who said this. I don't know if it was Wimber or not, but I heard someone use this as a quote, and I wrote it down, but I can't remember who he was quoting. He said, Servanthood does not have a shelf life. You don't graduate from being a servant. (laughs) That is the Christian life. That is the Christian life. We love because he first loved us. This morning, um, I just wanted to take a few moments to remind us yet again that God is doing an amazing work through this church, through this fellowship of believers. And recently we've been teaching into this koinonia, this partnering with God um, back here, this fellowship, this koinonia, this partnership with God. Jesus has, God has called us first into koinonia with Jesus. And to have koinonia with Jesus is empty, fill, exaltation. Empty, fill, exaltation. And on it goes again. And this morning we want to say, Nicole and I just simply wanted to say thank you. There, where is it? There it is. Thank you. We want to say thank you to every one of you who serves the Father's heart for this region. You, th- you know, don't confuse coming and playing a bass guitar for just coming and playing a bass guitar. You're actually partnering with the heart of the Father for the fruit of what flows from here for the sake of God's heart for a region of people. Don't, don't, don't confuse going and picking up bread on whatever night of the week it is to come back and fill the shelves at the Mercy Centre so that the next day the poor have got food to eat. Don't confuse that with just, oh, I'm just going to pick up some bread. No, you're partnering with the heart of the Father for a region to know the love of God. Don't, don't confuse sitting on a sound desk. Don't f- confuse cooking sausages. Don't confuse ta- taking time to invest in discipling generations of children to know Jesus. Don't confuse that with just doing something. No, you are partnering with the heart of the Father that a region would know God is good and know he's loving. This morning I just had the most beautiful news, best news I could ever experience. This, this young girl, 10-year-old 10, 10 girl, 9, 9-year-old girl, she came up to me and she said, I just want you to know that I've asked God into my life. I'm just like, don't confuse the nine years that you've invested in, in giving yourselves to serving, to praying, to giving, to discipling, to helping that young nine-year-old girl meet God. Don't confuse that with just doing something. Because that nine-year-old girl and I'm not speaking any sort of prophetic words here, but I'm just saying who knows where the heart of God will take that girl in the mission of God for the sake of others to know that God is good. Please don't confuse what sometimes where we get so you know, narrow 
with what the task that we're doing that we forget the greater context in which we're doing it. Thank you to every one of you who serves the Father's heart for this region. And now not only do you serve this region, the Father's heart for this region, you now, you now whether you realise it or not, you guys are an engine room behind Nicole and I as we tear around this country and even internationally to plant churches now all over Australia and Cambodia, Indonesia and all other parts of the planet. Thank you. Thank you for our life together. Thank you for our life together. Thank you for saying yes to the Father's love at work in your spirit and in your heart as he moves you to love each other and to love those that aren't here yet. Thank you for partnering with the Father's heart to welcome every person, be they a prodigal or a, or a pagan, into this place. Thank you. Be they a prodigal or a pagan or even a self-righteous brother, older brother, whatever, wherever we're coming from, thank you for just loving them as they grace the doorways of this place. Thank you for generously stewarding the resources that the Father has given you and placed into your care for his greater glory and for your joy for the building up of the body of Christ and for the extension of the kingdom of God. Thank you for continually allowing the Father's love to keep you from, um, to keep you from missing out <laughs> in the sense that his grace is so prolific in this place. Thank you for leaning into grace and not self-righteousness or judgment. Thank you for being a people of mercy, humble enough to realise that we too once were those that ran to that river and lapped up the mercy and lapped up the mercy. Thank you for remaining humble and always realising that. And today, Nicole and I, we would want to call you, each and every one of you here, call you into the highest calling that we could ever invite you in the name of Jesus to come and be a servant of the living Jesus. Come into the high calling of being a servant of Jesus where we get to partner with the heart of the Father for a thirsty, lost and hungry world where we get to partner with the heart of the Father with great love for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and where we get to partner with the Holy Spirit in moving in the power and the authority of the gifts and the grace that he brings. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're an amazing people, Pine Rivers Vineyard. And my final word to you is this. Stay close and keep up. Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, your, your love for us here at Pine Rivers Vineyard. Thank you for the incredible history of just love, waves and waves of love, lives, so many lives. Gosh, Lord, I've lost count of how many lives you've healed, how many lives you've just spoken a word through, through each other, a word of encouragement and life to another, just when we needed it. 
just like where where people have like open and just Lord, where you've just moved us with compassion to open our wallets to each other, to just open our pantries to the poor, to to open our lives up, up to the bigness of your love, God. Thank you. And we just ask, Lord, in this season, come again with your spirit. Open us up even more to the great high calling of being a servant of the living Jesus. And Lord, for some of us in the room today, this whole idea of like, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Son of God, for some of us in the room today, that's kind of like a really pressing in on us kind of question. You're invading our space a little bit this morning, Lord. But for those, Lord, whose space you are invading, I pray that the hearts of those you're invading right now would just be humble enough to see that you truly are the son of the living God and then they might turn their life to you and know joy and come out from underneath all of the rubbish and the rot and the condemnation and the self-effort and all of the religion that's been there over the years and would just come into the kindness of God and the mercy of God. I pray if that's you this morning and you've... Jesus is pressing in on your space a little bit. I just encourage you, please, open wide your life to him and let him come and give you a life of great purpose and joy. Great purpose and joy. And for some of us, Lord, where where the embers of our relationship with you, Lord, have grown cold, or those... Maybe even those moments we it's kind of like, oh, I was a child then. What did I really know? I was a kid. What did I really know? I, I said yes to Jesus. But I, where life from that moment to this has been a hard journey, Lord, and it's been hard to navigate because of all sorts of difficulty and distress, where the embers have grown cold, In your kindness, Holy Spirit, would you come and awaken hearts to Jesus again? Awaken hearts to Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that you never give up on us, that you always love us, and that the posture of the heart of the Father is standing at the gate looking for the return of everyone to come, come to you. Thank you, Lord, that you set people free. You are truly kind and good. And for those of us this morning, Lord, in our discipleship journey, where we're saying, God, I want to follow you more. Empty, fill, exaltation. Empty, fill, exaltation. That's our pathway in you, Lord Jesus. And I just bless, I bless our church, Lord. I bless this wonderful group of people, Jesus people, and that in our life together, in the big story of the working of God in a region and across a nation 
and now even over into other nations. Oh God, our life together is creating a great river of mercy. And we pray, Lord, that more and more people would come and drink from that river and find their way into your kingdom. Holy Spirit, just in this next couple of days, bless us with a fresh invitation to the servant life in Christ. In Jesus' precious name I pray this. Amen.